You're listening to the GameStreet.biz podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief James Batchelor, and I'm joined this week by Managing Editor Brendan Sinclair. How tired are you this week? Not, not very. I am invigorated. I am invigorated. enthused, wow. and I am present, and I am, I am ready to go. And this, this is why we need Nintendo Directs. <laughs> Every <Yeah>. week. <laughs> Every week. Just to keep Brendan going. We need Nintendo Direct of this level of quality every week to keep Brendan going. That other voice, obviously, is Academy writer Marie D'Alessandri. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay too. That Direct was good. I'm happy too. Could use one every week. And yeah, pretty good. Technically, it's our turn to be tired because it's on the most unsociable time of 11 o'clock in the evening, in the, at night, um, at, in our end. So, I mean, which means it was midnight for everyone in Europe. So, apologies to any of our, our European listeners. We, we, we do sympathise with you. But equally, I know that you all stayed up and watched it anyway. Yeah. Did you guys have trouble getting to sleep afterwards? Was it like a calming lullaby or was it like <laughs> night before Christmas kind of thing where you're, oh, I'm going to get presents? I, I, I had trouble sleeping afterwards because I had to get over the announcement of the Mario movie cast and that took a while and so I'm not over it actually uh, so that's the main thing I'm, I'm all for that cast like go, just full chaos mode I am give it to me like I don't I it's interesting so as you can guess we are talking this week about the Nintendo Direct um, so let's start with that then let's start with because that, that is undoubtedly the most talked about announcement is they announced the cast and the release window, so holiday 2022, for the animated adaptation of uh, Mario. So this is the movie that's being made by Illumination Entertainment, those known for Minions and Sings and Secret Life of Pets and all the other films that I quietly quite enjoy. Um, Despicable Me is really good. (laughs) Say again. Despicable Me is really good, actually. Despicable Me is brilliant. Even Minions is okay. Secret Life of Pets. We're getting off topic now. Um, So the big news that everyone is talking about is uh, Chris Pratt, Star-Lord from the Marvel films, is uh, going to be Mario. Charlie Day is Luigi. Jack Black is Bowser. Anya Taylor-Joy is Peach. A bunch of other comedians, I have to admit, and actors, I have to admit, I don't know and I'm not overly familiar with. I've been cast as like Toad and Spike. Uh, we've got Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. And Charles Martinet, long-running voice of Mario, Wario, Luigi, Waluigi, and all other Nintendo voices, uh, is there as some surprise cameos. Uh, now, I, reactions to this have varied. No, not very that much, I guess. Like Generally, it seems to be quite a negative sentiment to the idea of Mr. Pratt playing Mario. The one, I, the, the theory I keep seeing um, a few people really cling to is when they announced these, they showed like a picture of the actor's face and then like a little uh, text box, but, you know, in the bottom left corner with um, who they're playing. And all of them had quotation marks around them. And I've seen people kind of put out there, it's like, ah, oh, so clearly because of the quotation marks, they're real people. They're actors like, you know, playing actual human characters who get sucked into a Mario game dramatically style and that's why they are and i'm like uh, i mean i'd watch that still but i don't think that's where they'll go with this no i don't think it is that would be i mean yeah i have no idea actually it's just not what i'm expecting i guess i didn't i didn't see that that's interesting i say i say that when they first announced they were going to do a mario movie in the 90s i don't expect everyone you know everyone thought they were going to go with a parallel dimension there was a dystopian city with car chases and guns and giant reptile goombas and bowser turning into a t-rex halfway through so i mean it can't be worse than that right well i've not actually seen any of the mario adaptations i'm gonna put it out there here you go and so real bad (laughs) yeah exactly it's it's great and (laughs) i don't see how you can adapt 
I adapt that franchise. I'm like, I'll, I'll probably watch this one because I was so pleasantly surprised by the Sonic adaptation, despite not being a Sonic fan, that I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. Detective Pikachu as well was very really good recently. But I just, I just can't see any of those actors and actresses being any of those characters because they we discussed that already james uh, earlier today about how they're iconic characters you introduced um chris pratt as star lord chris pratt is andy dwyer from parks and recreation and that's what he is to me it, it, can, it cannot be mario uh, <laughs> and that's the fa- like the same for many of the actors in that cast and that's my main issue with it is like we were taking the example of jack black earlier today and he can't be Bowser because he's Jack Black and he's going to do Jack Black things. Like, it, I just... this is the thing. It's going to be it's going to be a very Jack Black interpretation of Bowser. Like, whenever you've seen Bowser in either kind of fan films or even like the few games where he's talked, like um, Super Mario Sunshine, Bowser actually speaks his voice acted, and he's your very typical kind of "Roar, I'm Bowser, and we're going to do this and bah. and like that's kind of how they they portray. Because let's face it, look at him. That's how Bowser comes across. I'm honestly expecting the Jack Black Bowser to say it's, it's all the little verbal ticks he does like skadoosh and that kind of <laughs> stuff it's just gonna be a very kind of I jack black interpret- which don't get me wrong i'm a jack black fan i will probably yeah, enjoy that but ah uh, no it's okay case in point, i have not seen the sonic movie yet it's really good but jim carrey as dr robotnik is basically jim carrey being jim carrey yeah, that's what good, we're though. gonna get with <laughs> oh yeah no I'm, I'm sure i'm sure it'll be great and i'm sure jack black will do a very good jack black bowser but it won't be bowser but I think it's different in the case of Sonic because it wasn't an animated film. So Jim Carrey doing Jim Carrey wasn't a problem to me. If that Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because you can still see it's Jim Carrey. Yeah. So there's not that disconnect. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have any sort of logic in my opinion. I think I, I'm just still, it's still like processing this information. And I want to, like, they're all excellent actors, right? So I want to believe they know what they're doing. And Illumination is actually, I, I think it's a great studio. And they have a proven track record of doing good stuff. So I, I generally want to believe it's going to be great and that they're going to be doing a great job at it. It's just, yeah, never in a million years I would have imagined that type of announcement, I guess. And I'm, I'm still in this phase of like processing what that means for, for the film. How about like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit treatment? Chris Pratt, human plumber, gets sucked into Mario's world, and then you know you can have the actors be either either or, live action or whatever. And I, I just miss Who Framed Roger Rabbit and wish someone yeah. else would try that. But we're not a movie I, I, podcast, right? We should, we're not, we but should, we are we increasingly probably. becoming one. Last, 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 last thing I'll say on this is I think if I could just from the announce, from the get go of announcing this movie, I've not been sure how they're going to handle it because even even on the assumption that Charles Martinet was going to play Mario and Luigi and all that, he never has many lines and many long kind of speeches as those characters. They are very much known for their wah yeah wahoos. Like they're not known for like their you know their rousing speeches as they kind of rally their allies allies to fight Bowser and take down his Goomba and all the other other minions um so the prospect of the thing i link it to is i don't know if you remember the, the fairly awful tom and jerry movie that was released in like the 90s and those were obviously two largely silent characters and then suddenly they're talking and it just didn't work even as a child i'm like this doesn't work this is not 
how I, what I expect of these characters. That, I think, is the f- problem they face with this movie, because Mario and Luigi and co. Peach occasionally has a line, maybe, but, like, the vast majority of them, they're known for, like, sound bites rather than dialogue, and that's... A, it, it's going to be an interesting to see what they do with this. Anyway, much, much more business-related news. Uh, the big thing I took away from this was uh, the Nintendo Switch Online announcement. So, as has been heavily rumoured, they are going to be adding N64 to uh, the Switch Online package, so there's going to be a selection of N64 games. Uh, we'll go into the games in a minute because we're probably going to be gushing about which ones we want to play. They're also going to do Genesis games, which I didn't expect, or Mega Drive. Mega Drive games, sorry, I refuse to name it uh, the North American name. The Mega Drive games, which I I, I didn't expect, um, but kind of makes sense, I guess. So expanding that kind of library of retro titles out there. But what they've done is they've locked those two libraries, those two selections of games, to a new tier, which is named Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack, because Nintendo officially are not allowed to name anything ever again. That's just... Uh, Switch Online XP. Like, just just so- shorten it to that. Switch Online XP. Job done. You've got Switch Online subscription, Switch Online XP. Right, that's the extra one. Yeah, so they've, they've kind of diversified. Like, in, And it's interesting to see them do this. Like, on the one hand, there's a part of me who's like, well, hang on, I already subscribed to Switch Online. Why do I have to pay more for what I think we all assumed was an inevitable extension of the service. I think it was all, it was assumed that they would, and you know, assumptions are very dangerous things, obviously, but I think it was assumed that, okay, it started with NES and SNES and then virtual console style, it will expand over time and we'll get N64, Game Boy has been rumoured, Game Boy Advance, um, GameCube, and eventually we'll get like kind of all the kind of retro platforms on one subscription. And the idea of them splitting this, I mean, there's no way in hell that people aren't going to pay for this. We're all going to pay for it, I imagine but i don't know I, that that just kind of caught me off guard i didn't expect that move yeah this this is as someone who is like on a retro kick recently um and i've been playing a lot of old games and paying more money for them than i should this is something that i'm probably going to sign up for depending on how much it is but i'm, I'm gonna be resentful of it every step of the way uh like nintendo i i think nintendo switch online with the subscription service and the access to old games is like i prefer a virtual console a la carte option where i can pick a thing pay money for it and have it for as long as i have the console but i can see how the subscription service would work pretty well if you know you're you're regularly adding to it if it's like oh what what's coming to the service this week oh another game or two every week like that is the kind of thing that like people's you know can understand and, and grasp and be like yeah there's value in that what nintendo does with nintendo switch online though is well it's it's bad yeah, <laughs> like, it's so bad they they launched it with like a decent amount of nes and and super nintendo titles and then they just like kind of stopped and the third party titles that we get are like oh it's Jalico's greatest final fight knockoffs one at a time kind of thing and the the updates they they come like what every couple of months longer between between the updates there there's no there's no cadence to them there's no there's no hype for them you know it's just like hey we we threw a couple others on there in case you know any of you big ignition factor fans have been holding your breath on that one and and like i think it's actually sort of I, <laughs> I say hurt their reputation, but Nintendo's reputation for <laughs> online stuff precedes yep. it. Um, but it's it's hurt any kind of trust that I have in this expansion pack 
offering being worth what they're what they're asking for it especially especially because they're they're selling controllers right a nintendo 64 controller for the switch and a and a genesis three button controller uh in north america and europe anyways i think for a three button controller for the switch not not the six button one so that kind of tells you right there that the the library of titles they're gonna bring to this is probably not you know super extensive and they're 50 bucks each 50 bucks yeah like i i understand why an xbox one controller or you know the playstation dual sense stuff like there's so much technology crammed into controllers these days that i i understand why you would charge 50 dollars or even more for joy cons and things like that but for the genesis controller like you can you can buy really reasonable third-party recreations of the genesis controller that that work perfectly well and are bluetooth or or you know and are bluetooth compatible and work just fine and they're high quality builds and they're like 25 bucks the idea that that's something with a d-pad and four buttons the three normal buttons and the the start button like though just those handful of switches there and you're going to charge 50 bucks for it is just like mm. i i <laughs> you know normally it's like charge whatever you want i don't care i just won't buy it but there's there's something about that that is like almost offensive to me yeah the thing is like collectors going to collect right like nintendo knows that some people will want what they consider the the real deal and they don't want the the cheap 15 quid uh controller that does the same thing because it doesn't come from nintendo i'm not actually too mad about the controllers i mean i am a bit now that you've said that i realize yeah actually brendan is right but <laughs> the um, the switch online thing i'm much more annoyed at it for all the all the reasons you you just explained as well i pretty much agree with everything you said uh, and like I've, I've had my membership um from the beginning and it is so low in terms of value like it doesn't like the, the little it brings me it doesn't do it well i've maybe played two or three zelda titles in um like the retro zelda on it just for the sake of it because i love zelda and that's pretty much it and then i mostly use it because i need it to play multiplayer uh, aspect on certain titles and as you said nintendo and online services it's just like doesn't work most of the time at best, it's just a bit clunky. Most of the time, it's just infuriating. And some, like Mario Maker 2 is a good example. I need uh, a Nintendo Switch Online membership to have access to some aspect of the multiplayer of Mario Maker 2. And it has so much lag that it's just impossible to get through a level sometimes. Or like just even the Animal Crossing multiplayer is absolutely terrible and so awful. It's so bad. <laughs> I can't even deal See, with I imagine, it. I, I'm, I imagine companies would argue that when you're charging for an online subscription, the, the online subscription is primarily to pay for that multiplayer access, like yeah. to right, play for the servers and all that, and the system, that, that the infrastructure that runs the multiplayer games. Anything else on top of that, whether it's the NES games, the SNES games, N64, Genesis, Tetris 99, whatever it is, yeah, Cloud Safe, anything else is a bonus they've done as an incentive yeah. to get you, get you to, to buy it. So whether you're entitled to all this extra stuff as well, like I don't, I don't know. Like I'm not saying... I'm not saying... Say you're, you're kind of... I'm not saying you're saying that you're. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I mean, like the the idea of arguing over all the extras that you get when the bare basics of an online subscription is it makes my multiplayer work. I think can be a difficult argument to have against companies sometimes. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where I was getting. I'm like, I've been paying this whole time because I'm like, okay, one day, one day it's going to be worth it. You you wait and see. And then last night, 
boom, it's worth it. And you know why? Because of Ocarina of Time. Everyone who knows me knows that's the only thing I've been <laughs> waiting for for years now. I just want to play Ocarina of Time on my Switch. And now it's there and I have to, pl- to pay extra for it. I'm like, come on now. I mean, the thing is, yeah. th- the Switch Online membership is actually pretty cheap. Like, I had to check earlier because it's so cheap that I didn't remember how much I paid for it. And it's $19.99 sorry, dollars a year, which is about $160 per month. So it's pretty cheap, but you, you also don't get much for that. So I'm like, okay, at least I pay for a reason. Now I'm going to get the Zen 64 titles and those Mega Drive games that probably won't play. But no, I mean, it's just a bit frustrating because I think like, yeah, it's not been worth it until now. And I feel like it, it, it. This whole, this whole thing finally, all this suffering <laughs> finally made sense because I was gonna get more for my money, but not really. But having said all of that, it all depends on the price, right? Like maybe, it will, maybe it will be super cheap. In which case, maybe I will stop being angry, but I th- maybe not. I think it. I think it's made all the more galling by how many times Nintendo has sold you the same game. Like, and now I grant you that this is worse for those of a certain generation. But I bought Ocarina of Time with my pocket money, and then I bought it on 3DS, and then I'm pretty sure I paid on eBay for that collector's edition that came out on GameCube that had the first two NES ones and then the two N64 ones. Include oh oh, and I made sure I bought Wind Waker at launch so that I got the bonus disc that had Ocarina of Time and the Master Quest. And here it is now. I'm gonna have to pay for it again to get it on Switch. And it's like I've bought this game so many times, and you're still charging me for it. Chris String, who uh, is is in transit, so wasn't able to join us on the podcast, he was saying like he, you know they're essentially charging him for a worse version of Super Mario sixty four than he got last year in the Super Mario three D All Stars compilation. But of course he's going to buy it, and of course he's going to play it because we we just do like this. The, the one the one argument we can't have against Nintendo is that this is too much; it's not going to work because we all buy this anyway. But yeah, it, it, yeah it's frustrating. Yeah, it's making me sad a bit that I'm still going to buy it. Like, I, I disagree with the way they approach this, and yet I'm still going to buy it. Like, but I guess that's a conflict with myself here. But it is frustrating because the thing is, gonna, is it's going to work. People are going to subscribe to it because they're going to see the same thing in it as I see as a player, which is, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to replay a Carry Life Time. Of course. Like, it's frustrating. Given Nintendo's endearing incompetence with online stuff (laughs) i'm actually i'm I'm super excited to see how they're gonna like roll out the charging for this because uh we've all got nintendo switch online i i I think and i'm let's say my subscription expires in november someone in january and someone in july how are they going to charge us for this expansion pack and what does that get us because you know if i buy it and I have one month left on my subscription. Is it just until the end of the normal subscription? Or is it a separate subscription like that they you can get an upgrade to? And, and if I already have an Nintendo Switch Online, will I be charged less to get to that upgrade? And will it be prorated based on how much time is left in my, you know, currently paid for period? And like like just details like that are um are things that I that I just expect nintendo to to fumble here and and to do so in glorious fashion i'm excited i can't wait (laughs) (laughs) the reactions to the 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 extra tier does make me wonder what it is we i say we i mean me on an individual basis sometimes want from an online service because like 
and specifically Nintendo's online service. So we've had the virtual console where you buy it a la carte, as Brendan says. But I seem to recall at the time those were ridiculously or, or considered to be ridiculously expensive given how old the games were then, let alone how old they are now. So the idea of buying them, I think I think there were some on there, but like you had to buy like, like £10 for Ocarina of Time, I think. I can't remember the exact, but I remember it being enough that I didn't buy it on Wii. Like, so the idea of them going back to that system, like, practically, yes, a virtual console-style shop where you could buy individual titles would be better, providing the pricing was right, which... In the past, it wasn't. And then again, there was like that drip feed. By the end of the Wii's life cycle, there was an amazing library on there. But that drip feed of like, you only had a major title every like few months at the at the quickest. And then in, in between was all these like really random Japan-only, Japan you know, Konami and Sega and Capcom sort of games that I genuinely never heard of. So, so if they were to suddenly kind of bring Virtual Console over to... Um, Switch, like, that's absolutely how they'd roll it out. If they did the kind of the Game Pass style library, I think this is... I'm rambling, but I am getting to a point. Nintendo's approach to online, and particularly back catalogue online, is made all the weirder, or seems all the weirder, compared to Microsoft. Microsoft have really gone really big, big on the whole, you know, four generations, five generations of Xbox on one machine with your Xbox Series X, and, you know, all this back compatible stuff on Game Pass, and you can buy it on the store, you can buy it, you can buy original Xbox games in the Microsoft store for your Xbox Series XS. Um... Like, so for Nintendo to be like, ah, oh, well, you can play some games if you subscribe to this tier of the online service, but then some of you subscribe to the, the higher tier. I think everyone's basically wishing that they were, they would just release all of it in one hit as a kind of a Netflix style library or a Disney plus style archive of here's all the best Nintendo games ever. And you pay a monthly fee and you get access to them. and You can play them as much as you want. But Nintendo knows, as we have already demonstrated by how many times I have bought Ocarina of Time, that they don't need to do that. That is probably worse for their business than they do because there's just so much value in that property. Neither Sony nor Microsoft have as extensive a back catalogue that people will pay through the nose for. People are going to pay $50 for an N64 controller. Universally agreed as one of the worst, if not the worst, controller ever designed. But it will sell. So why on earth would Nintendo do anything that stops that from happening? Yeah, that that's one of the things that kind of bothers me about the Nintendo approach is because it'll make sure that people will always have ready access to some version of Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, whatever, the the main hits. And, and even um, like Nintendo first party games, they're usually not too far away from either a remake or, you know, just access through a virtual console or Nintendo Switch Online. Um, but the virtual console a la carte method, like that approach was, it enabled companies to actually like see value in it who weren't Nintendo, you know? Like you could get really weird, rare games like James was talking about that he doesn't care about. But there are people who, you know, love those games and they they might be cult classics and they don't want to go on you know ebay and find a cartridge for a hundred bucks or more you know uh pirate it and having like legitimate access to such a wide range of games was something that i thought was fantastic and valuable and like i absolutely wish that something like that was still around because you know if, if i want like some of my favorite games were just like this 
you know, weird game that a friend had picked up for, for some reason. I played it at their house, like Metal Storm on the NES. I loved. And if you want a copy of that now, that is super expensive and hard to track down. It is not coming to Nintendo Switch Online as as far as I know it. I would be shocked if it did. Like, there, there's just, there are too many games like that that will never find their way onto a Nintendo Switch Online because it's not worth it for the publisher to strike a deal with Nintendo. Or it's not worth it for Nintendo to strike a deal with the publisher for this niche appeal title and have it in their you know in their offering for a couple of months something like the virtual console the way it was you know you get it on there and it just sits on there and even if no one's buying it at five dollars for months and months and months it it remains available to those who decide down the road that they want it and that's something that i uh value a whole lot um but i i think the industry is increasingly moving away from that partly because uh microsoft wants to sell you a subscription service and just have that be the default you know place you go for your for all of your gaming your sort of a netflix thing at least netflix the way it was a few years ago and um and nintendo just wants to give you uh, a slow drip feed of of nostalgia that it can sell you in little amounts with Nintendo Switch Online and large amounts with like, oh, it's Skyward Sword HD again and again and again. Uh, and, and I think ultimately both those approaches are worse for the medium and and uh, in, in a lot of cases worse for users uh, because they, they wind up with less selection and big chunks of the gaming catalog just become completely inaccessible. Yeah, that's fair. Slight tangent, the uh, excitement around some of the games that are available, we're talking about you know different games available, um, one of the N64 games confirmed to be coming in the future is obviously Banjo-Kazooie, published by Nintendo but developed by Rare, which is owned by Microsoft, and this has sparked kind of lots of questions as, uh, among, among the Rare fans, and by Rare fans I mean Chris. <laughs> um, but Chris, Chris, and other rare fans, like, does this mean we'll get Perfect Dark? Does this mean we'll get, uh, you know, Goldeneye? I haven't seen anyone say Goldeneye, but that thought has definitely occurred to people. Um, like, yeah, it's just that whole complicated um, relationship. Like, Rare is such an integral part of Nintendo's history for the N64 era. Like, it's kind of be weird to not have their their titles there, but equally, there are so many logistical and legal complications as to getting their titles on there. I think I thought seeing Banjo there was interesting. I disagree because I'm not a rare fan. Sorry, I have. I... <laughs> <laughs> I just have more thoughts about this. Sorry. Uh, what were the other highlights of the direct for you guys? Because, like, uh, Brendan, you said, like, I think you said in the uh, the chat, like, this this felt like what the E3 direct should have been. Yeah. So I was I was I was really uh, stoked to see the Disco Elysium announcement, uh, the Yoko Taro Voice of Cards game coming out next month. Like that was. Yeah. That looked interesting. There was the The Last of Us Kirby edition. Uh, that's yes. super. Like I, I love that they. <laughs> that's took exactly Kirby. what I said. Sorry. I love that they took Kirby and did like a post-apocalyptic thing. Like this is, I, I've been asking for like a um, uh, Yoshi's Willy World kind of version of Metroid, and this is sort of. How the, is that not a thing? It should be right, and and this yeah, is this is, is the from same the cozy Metroid. This is the same kind of idea of taking, you know, just here's a property we know, and now we're going to put it in a setting or a style that we don't know. And that's interesting. And then gonna, they're going to get a lot of mileage out of this, I think. And I, I apparently, like, 
people are talking about how Kirby has always had like some really weird, dark background lore. Has he? <laughs> but really? In in some of the games, apparently it's kind of wild. I I don't know. I've played a few of the games, and it just it seems like fun, cool, cozy stuff to me. But uh, still, like I, I thought the Kirby thing was good. Bayonetta three, it exists, which is it's um, a thing. Yeah, like good good for Platinum and Bayonetta for that to actually you know finally see the light of day. More Animal Crossing updates, like they're they're still doing stuff with that. Which is on the one hand, it's like kind of an obvious thing like yes given what <laughs> happened in the last year you continue to support this on the other hand this is nintendo so who can tell whether or not they do the obvious thing um mario kart 8 still doesn't have any any more dlc or support right which is wild considering it's in the top 10 yeah. bestsellers every month uh triangle strategy is it it looks cool tactics fans should be excited like there's just there was a lot of there were a lot of product announcements and and games that they showed off that i thought were um I, I, a lot of it was probably just appealing to my interests but i thought it was like a stronger lineup than what i remember from e3 where there were a lot of big games but they were also expected games yeah, I agree. The the Kirby game was definitely a highlight for me. And when I it's I found it really funny that you said, Oh, it's Kirby The Last of Us because it's generally what I said when the trailer started. I turned to my partner before before Kirby appeared on screen and I was like, Wait, is this Nintendo doing The Last of Us? I I thought it was really fun that this was the the settings they went for. I didn't know about Kirby's dark backstory, but I'll look into that then. Um one thing that did annoy me slightly with this direct though was they did twice the we're announcing that there's going to be an announcement which i don't yeah. remember that happening very often in the past so they did that for animal crossing and what was the second one? Oh, smash bros yeah, fighter yeah and that that was a bit annoying i was actually really looking forward to knowing who the last fighter was going to be for smash bros and it's not it's not a big deal like i can wait a few more weeks whatever i just found it a bit yeah unusual maybe that they would they would do the are we announcing that there's going to be an announcement but whatever it was it was a good direct uh and yeah i mean for me generally the 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 n64 titles on switch was very much the highlight uh and then and then that kirby game because I love Kirby. Kirby is my favorite Nintendo character. No, that's not true. I love Kirby, though. It's amazing how, like, you know, Switch is on track to become, if it's not already, like, Nintendo's biggest selling home console of all time. And yet, even now, like, I kind of feel sorry for third-party publishers because, as you guys say, like, there was there were so many big and interesting new announcements in there or interesting games coming to the Switch. And yet, like you said, like, the thing that most people are talking about is, you know, decades old n64 games coming and which ones we're going to play first yeah um, rather than all this new stuff like kind of you can understand why third parties don't invest too heavily into nintendo's platforms because the the whole nintendo ecosystem is so wrapped up in nostalgia and I, i'm guilty of that as well obviously like I, yeah I, out of all of those titles like the the thing that i was most interested in was ah I never did try win back, you know. It was it was a good direct. It was a good direct. There's a lot of uh, uh, variety there. It for me it was kind of indicative in some ways of of Nintendo's position in the market. So the thing that um stuck out to me was the announcement like you know Knights of the Old Republic coming to the Switch. Now that's brilliant. Like and and uh, you know that that game is 
is really good. I remember really enjoying that. There, it's being done by Aspire, who've done a number of great kind of Star Wars ports. So they, you know, they brought the Jedi Knight games over to the Switch, and so it kind of makes sense. But it's like the, that announcement comes what days, a week at most after the announcements of a Knights of the Old Republic remake for PS5 and Xbox, and presumably Xbox Series One X. Uh, Xbox Series XS still can't get the handle of that naming convention and it's just that that to me is the epitome like you look at the direct and like this is all ports and older games all the big flashy new stuff is still gonna and it's always going to happen on the PlayStation and the Xbox and you know like you know it kind of harked back to at the risk of bringing up Goldeneye again um, <laughs> when there were the, I'm sorry I'm terrible when there were the rumours of Goldeneye uh, HD come to the Xbox 360 that, that revamp that Rare had done the, the, the story was the report was that like so Xbox 360 was going to get the HD super new Goldeneye 64 and then we would have got the original one on Virtual Console and here we are what 10, nearly 20 years later, and the other consoles are getting the massive, super new, flashy Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, and we've got a port of the original. And I just think that that kind of... I mean, partly that's hard, hardware-driven, obviously, because, you know, the Switch isn't capable of running whatever the remake's going to be. But it just... I, I looked at it as, like... It's a really good lineup, but it kind of shows you why the Switch, for some people, for a lot of people, is kind of the second console. You have a PlayStation and Xbox for the big, new, high-end stuff, and then you have the Nintendo for the ports, the retro games, the indie games. I love that none of us mentioned Splatoon 3, which was one of the biggest things they showed last night. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. uh, one thing that surprised me, actually, is that they didn't show any of the Switch OLED either. I didn't, like, I mean, it's out so soon now. I guess there's nothing to say about it. Or I guess I was still a bit surprised. I did expect maybe a closer look at the console or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. But what is, I, I'm intrigued. What else, what else is there to know about the OLED? I don't know, to be we, honest. Like, yeah. We know the tech specs. We know it's out in a couple of weeks. We know that games will look better on it, hopefully. Like, it, 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 there's nothing really to say. Like, I, I, um, I, don't, I don't recall seeing anyone play literally playing a Switch in any of the videos, but I imagine if they were, they were playing on an OLED. Yeah, I didn't... Yeah, no, I you're right. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but I actually I, I agree with Marie that they, they should have. It's, it's new hardware that they're charging a premium for even if it's sold out like pre-sold out they, they still should want to like make people aware and, and try and make it seem like a big thing so even even if it's like a one minute you know sizzle video just kind of going over uh the new features or the size of the screen comparison things like that like i i'm surprised that they didn't yeah maybe even just a mention at the end like all the titles you've seen will be compatible with switch switch light and switch oled like that some yeah right like there, there were there were some maybe easy links you could like with disco elysium which i think uh comes out on the same day as the the switch oled i'm like just a just a tiny mention below the release date oh we'll be launching alongside the new switch. like i don't know i felt like it could have at least been mentioned somewhere, but I don't know. I don't know who's buying this console anyway. I'll be honest. I don't know who it is for, but <laughs> you, you are. Buying yeah, it is console. for me. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Nintendo Switch Marie edition. Exactly. <laughs> One of the other things that stood out from the lineup, I say not specifically from this lineup, but it was just kind of a reminder, is um, Dying Light Two, the oh, cloud yeah. version. Now. I don't know anyone who's actually played a cloud version on the Switch, but I'd genuinely be really interested to know if they're any good. Because we've had some experiments here. Like I, I was, I, I, I think in my head when I was watching it last night, it felt like oh, you know, yet another cloud version. And I actually looked it up this morning. Like so far, we've had Control, 
Hitman 3, Guardians of the Galaxy is coming, and then Japan got Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Resident Evil 7. So there haven't been that many cloud-based games so far, but I'm just... I can't see how those run... Given that cloud gaming on any device so far, whether it's your phone, your TV, your Xbox, your PlayStation, like the the... The experience may vary, as, as, as they say. The mileage may vary on your experience of cloud gaming. The idea of doing it on the little Switch tablet that it is, I just, I can't picture it being as good an experience. And I'm intrigued as to whether or not the investment in doing a cloud version has been worth it for publishers so far. Yeah, I mean, technically, it's got to be good enough an experience that they they keep doing this, right? Like, Yeah. And, and that Nintendo would let them keep doing it i i think sort of should speak to that the experience probably for for people with you know decent bandwidth is is not that bad so but i think the skepticism that that you just expressed there and the skepticism that that i would have with a with a cloud-based game like that i'm guessing is more of the hurdle now instead of the technical issues and and i i would also be interested to hear how um how control and hitman did on on cloud versions just because it's it, it's a hard enough sell to get someone to buy you know 60 70 dollar game new these days anyways um but to get them to to buy it when they're not going to be able to you know play it if the internet is down or when when it's just when it feels so much more ephemeral uh for for the player and the sense of ownership is so eh? um that 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 strikes me as a harder as a harder sell on a micro level it's the stadium model isn't it it's you know stadia selling you know full price games that you don't physically have on your device that yes you can access from any device but you're paying for access to an individual software that's basically what you're doing with the cloud versions i think it's as much a skepticism about the general model of cloud gaming and the general realities of cloud gaming rather than specifically nintendo's implementation of it or rather companies implementation of it on nintendo platforms i just saw the dying light announcement it's like oh they're still trying that i wonder if that's working because I don't know anyone, anecdotally, I don't know anyone that has even tried it. I don't, I, I don't know anyone that's even done Because you get those trial versions. I think you can play, I think you can play like the first half an hour of Hitman 3 on the cloud version and then you have to buy, buy it. And I, have, I, I haven't even tried it myself because I'm like, yeah, but if I spend that half an hour not playing it because the internet is bad, then that's just a waste of a trial. Um, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just intrigued. Because like, that would open Switch up to things. If that could take off and if that can be nailed, that would open Nintendo to some interesting prospects. You could then potentially have the you know the, the kotor remake rather than just the kotor port i might be able to play like the next gen upgrade of witcher 3 rather than the ps2 looking version port that i'm soldering through <laughs> even to this day i'm just yeah i was just intrigued as to how how well that that cloud stuff is going Okay, that's all we've got time for this week. We're going to be back on Monday with another new show. Uh, you can find all previous podcasts on the podcasting platform of your choice, including, if you haven't listened to them already, our Best Places to Work Awards UK session. So we had three panel discussions and an interview with last year's Big Boss. Big Boss? Best Boss. Sorry, went a little bit Metal Gear there. Best Boss. Uh, <laughs> you can get more news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.